What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the long-delayed Armchair Producers. I am one of your hosts, George Terran, alongside the man, the myth, the the one who rides the railways of life, Mr. Travis Croft. How are you, sir? I'm fine and dandy, and I have discovered that life is a highway, and I'm going to ride it all <laughs> night long. There's a song in that. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah, I am back from my... Um, extensive tour of western australia and i can safely say it's still boring as batshit <laughs> if any of our you know, international listeners or viewers is ever interested in visiting australia just don't bother with perth like <laughs> you know like i believe they have an airport in margaret river which is where all the wineries are just just go there <laughs> it was ridiculously entertaining watching all of the pictures that you were posting because obviously there was the quintessential Travis Cross Travis Croft face face of elation for one thing and no people none, none. just gone <laughs> it, it's it's seriously like a zombie movie parts of Perth on a Saturday morning which is when I got kicked out of my hotel kind of thing and like wandering around going surely there's somewhere around here was open for breakfast oh no there isn't um <laughs> it's it's really really and the most surreal thing i was walking through a, a very pricey looking uh i guess you call it a plaza next mm. to the uh, uh the water um mm. where people rich people keep their yachts and stuff oh yes and there was a dude riding a surfboard that was like a hover surfboard okay like, i was like i guess uh, it's got water at the bottom or something. I, I couldn't quite figure out how it worked. Whoa, but it was... Yeah, I've seen those things. And I don't think I've ever seen one of those in person before, but I'm like, I think I knew they existed. Then I'm like, of course you are. It's a completely deserted, you know, uh, <laughs> plaza behind me and this bay with all these expensive boats with nobody in it except a dude riding a hoverboard, you know? <laughs> it's just the weirdest thing. That sounds like something you find in, like... Um, a David Lynch Australia set version of Twin Peaks. <laughs> it would be, except he'd be wearing a suit and having a cup of coffee going, damn fine coffee or something. Um, uh, no, there's nowhere to buy coffee uh, at that time in Perth. <laughs> oh, there wasn't. Uh, I think there was McDonald's somewhere that was open. I'm sure there was a Macca's somewhere that you could have got coffee from. But you know, the other weird thing about Perthians uh, is that I, I saw this the last time I was there. It was many years ago. You, people buy takeaway coffees and they put a straw in them. Um, and yeah, like I remember seeing that years ago going, what an odd habit. I've never seen it anywhere else. Hot coffee? Hot coffee with a straw in it. Just normal Most, coffee. More coffee. Most commonly, I would see it at, they have a chain of takeaway coffee stores there. I think it was called Muzzbuzz or something like that. I think they're across Australia now. Um, for foreign viewers, again, especially our American friends, drive-through coffee shops are still a bit weird here. You know, apart from McDonald's, mm. there's. I went past one in the western suburbs of Melbourne recently. It was a Starbucks, an actual drive-through Starbucks, which I know are very big in the US. I've not seen many here, but this is this chain were one of the first Australian ones, and people would be driving out of there with their coffees with, with straws in it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's it's funny the little things you notice when you travel, right? Yeah, that's. And I mean, that's just weird. There's strange people over in Perth. Over in Perth, it's, it's parts that are pretty. Mm -hmm. um, you know what it is? It's weird. Many years ago, I went to Calgary 
in mm. Canada, which is um, a big resource, you know, like mining and oil mm. and companies and stuff. And it felt very similar because I remember walking down the streets of, of um, Calgary and there was no one on the street in the middle of the day. And uh, I think it's similar in the sense that Perth's kind of resource rich, you know, yeah. like mining companies and oil companies and banks and financiers and stuff like that, but no people. <laughs> it's the Monday um, to Friday city. Also the fact that Calgary gets fucking cold, like really fucking cold. Maybe that they have an excuse that Perth doesn't have. But anyway, I am back. I apologize for the delay in this coming episode. I know everyone's been very excited to hear what we think of James and the Giant Peach. But finally, mm. your waiting yes. is over. Oh, that was such a good, gentle segue into our chain movie of the week, which is James and the Giant Peach, which I picked last time. Um, it is the Henry Selleck, the missing Henry Selleck whole of his filmography that I've not seen before. So this was a great opportunity to go in and watch. Um, have you, you haven't seen it before either, have you? This is my first time seeing it. Yes. I think so, I would have remembered seeing this crap before. Yeah, it's it's a lot to look at. This is not a good movie. Um, no, not. I think it the IMDb tag say animation adventure family. That's that family one that seems to stand out there because mm. I suspect this is aimed at a significantly younger audience than you and I. Oh yes, a hundred percent. Every element of it is going from the. Um, kind of the over-the-top nature of Joanna Lumley and Miriam Margulies as the uh, the abusive aunties. They're almost pantomime level. And it's there's, there's malice behind it, as there quite often is in the Roald Dahl villains. There's some genuine kind of maliciousness to it. But at the same time, just the way that it's presented and, and um, kind of elevated in this movie especially with the um sort of like the rhino in the sky kind of metaphor and all of that stuff it just comes off as pantomime this is a this is designed for kids no older than six years old so for those who are unfamiliar um perhaps if you're too young to remember having mm. ever had the chance to read a book james mm -hmm. the giant peach is about an orphan who lives with his two cruel arts who befriends anthropomorphic bugs who live inside a giant peach and they embark, embark on a journey to New York City. As mm. you know, it's directed by Henry Selleck, famously of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. And more recently, I think we watched Coraline in the last few years, which is also a very dark little film. But mm. um, famously, he uses stop-go animation. It's mm -hmm. not something you see a great deal of anymore, sort mm -hmm. of... Um, the modern master of stop go animation, I guess. I don't know. Kind He's of the... certainly the uh, this the kind of the still current flag bearer for it. Are yeah. there other people that are kind of toying with it a little bit? Like we've got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio coming to Netflix at Christmas time. I think it is. Um, but I think even then, Henry Selleck is a producer for it. Maybe. So he but is. Yeah. We did have Isle of Dogs a few years ago, which was Stop Going. Yes, and the Fantastic um, Fox as well. Um, they were both very good. I re really, really, really liked Isle of Dogs. Um, yeah. It was um, Wes Anderson, who's Wes Anderson's the hell out of everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is, is we sort of notably Joanna Lumley, Pete Postlewaite, Richard Dreyfus, 
Mm -hmm. uh, Susan Sarandon, Mary Margulies, David Foolis, mm -hmm. um, uh, based, of course, on the book by Roald Dahl. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you're right. I haven't, I haven't read a Roald Dahl book since I don't know, maybe the early '90s. Uh, mm. When I was, I remember loving Roald Dahl, just, just consuming it when I was about yeah. 10, 11, 12. And they were just, which is, I think, exactly the the audience he was aiming at potentially when he wrote those books, or most of it. Mm. Yeah. It's funny. The guy was a spy in the Second World War. He's the direct inspiration for James Bond. Yeah. But he ended up writing kids' books. Um, and all the adults in the books are usually horrible people. I think of um, Matilda and mm -hmm. the bad, uh, the, the the villain in Matilda's like the, the headmistress, who's like this horrible yeah. person. And um, you know, Slugworth in Harry uh, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Yes, he doesn't, doesn't certainly he certainly it was teaching kids to be suspicious of their elders. Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, things like the witches. Um, there's always this very express distrust of adults or that's the, that's the kind of the lesson to learn. And it's kind of like, all right, okay, sure. Yep. That, that's and in this instance, I think the best thing about this film, as you know, mm. they are the evil aunts who are our villain, some of the villains, mm. um, uh, Joanna Lumley playing aunt Spiker and Miriam mm. Margulies as aunt sponge were the highlight of the film for me because they are at you mean they are pantomime in mm -hmm. the sense they're kind of almost like mustache twirling cape wearing <laughs> um, yes. level level villains but they were obviously having an absolute ball with it and they absolutely chew the scenery every time they're on screen mm -hmm. and they're delightfully evil and wicked and yeah. they're actually a lot of fun because the kids are really fucking annoying so you're kind of like, yeah, you probably you probably <laughs> get tied tie to a peach or something after you know. But you, you, they were they were really actually. I was having a lot of fun with them. Yeah, uh, they were kind of they were funny and they were perfectly cast in that role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And especially just the the look of them and the 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 way that Henry Selleck stop motion animation characters always look. They have that kind of. There, there's a particular kind of aesthetic to them that they always have, and it's that kind of spindly or really bulbous and kind of pudgy or just ex they're, they're always expressed versions of anthropomorphic anthropomorphization. Whew, long word. And the fact that you had Joanna Lumley, who's very tall, very slender, and they they kind of made her face up to look even more thin and waif looking and just spindly and then you've got miriam margulies who is just this rotund mass it they they kind of fit with the they were the excellent bridge between the stop motion and the live action because that's what they that's how they were they 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 knew their role and they did it fantastically it's just a shame about the rest of it um i it's interesting that this film was made, I think, it was this, uh, 1996. This was made after Nightmare. 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 The animation in Nightmare looked a lot better for me. Yes. Uh, it, the animation, the actual stop animation seemed a bit rougher in this one. Maybe mm -hmm. he had a lower budget to work with? Apparently so. Apparently so. 
Um, but yes, I would agree with you that the the quality of the animation is lower. The quality of the overall puppet design and the production value of the um, stop motion sequences, because it's not the whole film, um, they just don't feel as rich or as well tended to as any of his other stuff. None of it. And maybe the lack of a mentor like Tim Burton help, didn't help. I mean, you hear the stories about the work that went into making Nightmare, mm. um, and it sounds nightmarishly hard work. Yeah. But it paid off on the screen. Um, so the basic storyline, James is uh, a happy young boy living a beautiful family life with his parents. Um, they are killed, eaten, killed by a rhinoceros on the beach. Um as is happens quite regularly in the UK. So um, he has to go live with his evil aunts, mm-hmm. who are, funnily enough, evil. Um, mm. And they make his life a, a, a misery and they work him to the bone and they don't appreciate him and they're horrible, mean people. But they're a lot of fun at the same time, a lot of fun at parties. So, you know, what levels at the end. Um, <laughs> so James, they, James meets Pete Possesway, who gives him... Some drugs, I guess. Is anyone's kid? Hey, kids, you want to try some lizard tongues or something? Whatever they were, crocodile tongues or something, uh, magic yeah. beans or something uh, that's going to help him escape and escape his evil arts. Uh, mm. And James, being the complete muppet that he is, drops them. It's one of them finds its way into a peach on a tree at the front of a house, and the magic bean things turn it into a giant <laughs> peach. Not uh, and, just a giant peach, but the creatures living inside it become giant as well. And they are, as it says, anthropomorphic. They mm-hmm. eventually f- escape the ants place by rolling down a hill um, and eventually fly using a flock of seagulls to New York across the ocean. And they, of course, uh, encounter many different challenges and obstacles to overcome on mm-hmm. the way. Uh, sharks. Um, robotic the, shark. Uh, what? Robotic sharks. Robotic shark. Of course, there are many of those in the UK. I don't know why you don't put to put a stop to them. Look, there's, there, there, there are certain hazards that the UK has, and we don't talk about. Yeah, robotic sharks, Liz Truss. You know, they're just all over the shop right now. And, and the fact that Australia doesn't actually exist; it's just an island off the <laughs> south coast of England. Yeah. Um, actor, you. I was one of what I was one of my. Uh, least favorite moments of his film was when they started singing um mm-hmm. and i think michelle was walking into the room at that point in time i said oh my fucking god they're singing they sing it's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like why did we choose another musical yeah yeah i did not realize that this was a musical but apparently it is loosely speaking a musical there's not a lot of singing yeah. there yeah. are some songs in here which again mm-hmm. reinforces my thought that this is aimed at kids more so than families yeah, because uh, the songs are terrible. Yes, and the 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 design of the songs as well, just musically, is so they feel very old. Like you know, especially the 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 first song that James sings on his own. So like, my name is James. He he's bad singer for one thing, and it feels like so like okay, this is a school production. It, it just it, there's there's no prestige to it or anything like that. It's like okay, 
they did the best that they could with a budget of barely anything to get the stop motion animation because otherwise this movie probably wouldn't have been made because at the time cgi for doing all of this stuff just would not have been possible and i disagree it would have been but only one company in the world could have done that and they were very busy working on a film called toy story at that moment in time um, so I don't think anybody else apart from Pixar could have. I'm sure they could have actually, having mm. seen Toy Story. But yeah, well, according to this, yeah, the tri- the trivia here apparently was in production for 12 years, and Roald Dahl himself was convinced that property would never make a viable film. Mm. Um, funnily enough, he was right. He, he did not make a viable film. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I found the uh, most of the bug characters in it annoying. Mm. Um, the only one that was kind of interesting was centipede which i think was the one played by richard dreyfus yeah you had this sort of uh fake uh lost new jersey accent you know and like new york they love me there uh yeah he was like like a almost just just like a, a charlatan constantly you don't you just sound he felt like he was always bullshitting but for the greater good the greater good um and it was just entertaining and enjoyable. You got um, people like uh, Grasshopper was kind of interesting towards the so like his his little violin thing. It was a, a relatively nice little moment. Um, but the rest of them, it's like okay, like David Thewlis as Earthworm is like why you don't need him. Sorry, nah, it's just there. <laughs> um, I I got to be honest. This was a, a a really really long 119 minutes. Like that is a relatively brief film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sorry, one hour nine 119. So one hour 19 minutes. One hour 19. Well under two hours. Um, and it yeah um yeah I, it dragged and dragged. There've been some great films made based on Walt Dahl books. Mm. This isn't one of them. This is not one of them. I I feel like there is. I, I would like to kind of go back and reread James and the Giant Peach the book because there's clearly there's many many metaphors on there. Like um, reading in the trivia, it's like it's alluded to that the um, the aunts are the ones that killed the parents because there's a rhino on the front of their car and things like that, and. Um, I feel like the robotic shark thing is supposed to be a metaphor for something else. And everything seems to be a metaphor for helping James grow up. Um, But it just doesn't land. It is messy confusion. And if they were given a bigger budget, just went, you know what? We're going to do just straight up animation of this. Give it to Studio Ghibli or give it to... Um, some established production houses go, okay, just make this pretty and get the and nail it. They could do it well. There's been similar kind of stories of that metaphor of child growing up and confronting challenge and confronting strife and sadness been done very, very well. It is something that Studio Ghibli, again, are particularly good at. This could be done, but it has not been done yet. Not in this film, anyway. Um, 
I, I think Netflix have acquired the uh, Roald Dahl uh, catalog, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't bode well for an established animation house coming in to actually do it well. But again, I think you talked last time about the cyberpunk um, mm-hmm. anime thing that they've done, which apparently is quite good. So maybe mm. Netflix maybe. and anime animation have overall been very successful they've done some interesting adaptations and alterations of things like the she-ra one that really embraced the lgbtqi community um and it actually made it interesting and compelling and something different for young people to watch um the masters of the universe thing was kind of okay um edge runners has brought cyberpunk the video game that stalled out of the gate and it's now more popular and successful than ever to the point where cd project red has said yep we're making another one i think so- they're always playing in fantasy we we're always planning a sequel but i'm sure this has helped us back to like the most played game on steam or something at the moment which is- at the moment yeah it's got like 20 million concurrent players or did, something like that did you ever play much of it not lots. I, I played it. I was kind of bored. Um, didn't love it. But yeah. I, I, now you see it again, you're like, oh, yeah, I paid for that. Yeah. Maybe it's better now. <laughs> you know, maybe they fix all those bugs. Um, but you're, you're, um, you're right. Maybe Netflix would get it right. I'm just generally very skeptical of anything Netflix does being any good because yeah. it's so rare that they do anything original that's actually any good. But, yes, Netflix in January acquired the Roald Dahl yeah. Story Company uh for um so it's it's all on netflix now so i'm sure you'll be seeing a lot more roald dahl stuff moving into the future it'll be interesting to see if the um timothy chalamet wonka origin story will be a cinema slash netflix release thing like they're doing for a few things or I mean, knives out i read today knives out is going to cinemas first now yeah yeah um it's that they, they had they gave fucking ryan johnson like a seven movie picture deal or something for that and yeah they've as part of that they said yep we're going to put that out in the cinemas and then i think it comes out boxing day on um netflix i think well that's something interesting to watch well, we, you notice how exciting james and the giant peach is that we are now talking about um a nice out sequel um <laughs> i i honestly look i i was kind of interested to see this when you, you picked it but mm. it didn't work for me i'm sorry so mm-hmm. if you look if you've got Disney Plus and you've got young kids, I would say under 10, um, maybe give us a watch. Um, mm-hmm. That said, though, I would say maybe watch it with them because I don't know. Those evil aunts are kind of creepy and spooky. So um, I don't know from that perspective exactly how suitable it might be for a younger audience. But you I know, think so. Any, anyone under the age of eight, yeah, maybe watch with them. But otherwise, this is. And this is this is um, enough that people could watch it. I think it's not as scary as like getting to watch the Angelica Houston witches or something. Or one of the many things that we watched when we were kids, like Dark Crystal. Yeah, yeah, it's not as scary as that. But there is that little bit of it's like, oh, okay, they're talking about dead parents a lot. That could upset some kids. <laughs> I would just like to welcome our um, co-host tonight. Oh, if you haven't already noticed. Oh, there, disguised as a cushion. <laughs> there is our co-host for the night, who is keeping an eye on the production. That's mm-hmm. the standards and regulation behind mm-hmm. me there, just keeping him, making sure we don't throw anything too untoward. Yeah. Um, 
Standards and practices. <laughs> um, have you got anything else you'd like to say about James? Uh, no, no, I'm I'm done. I didn't. I, it was. It, it feels like a while ago because it was that we watched yes. it, and it didn't really stick with me. Um, even the presence of Pete Postlewaite, who I've always enjoyed, was just like, okay, well, yeah, okay, he turned up, and it was pointless and unnecessary and confusing. Yeah, it was like, nah, I'm okay. We'll move on. Please, <laughs> please pick something better. Uh, yes. I'm going to go with something very different, and we're okay. going to stay in the '90s, though. Oh, um, okay. and uh, we're going to follow Miriam Margulies in uh, a ah, uh, not stop my Romeo plus Juliet. I promise. Um, but we're going to go to the 1999 classic. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. Ooh, going with an uncredited role. role. Um, it's a bit of a stretch, but she is. It's on IMDb, so yes, it, it's there. It counts. It counts. We make um, the rules. We do what we want. <laughs> I remember seeing Magnolia in the nineties or in the early two thousands, and going and having my mind absolutely blown. I think this is. Mm. Paul Thomas Anderson's mm -hmm. second film after Boogie Nights, so his second big after Boogie Nights is his breakout from memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone loved Boogie Nights. Mm -hmm. And then seeing this, because this, of course, had Tom Cruise in that really edgy-ish sort of role for Tom at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I remember having my mind blown by this film, but how brilliant it was. Mm. That was 23 years ago. So and I do not believe I've seen it since. So I'm very, very curious to see how this film holds up um, all these years later. You know, sometimes yeah. um, I watched a Family Guy episode recently and they were parodying Oscar-winning films and they were parodying uh, American Beauty and it just suddenly occurred to me yet again how much I loved that film when I first saw it and how badly it holds up now. And it's not even all about Kevin Spacey. I mean, yeah. that just makes it worse. Yeah. It, um, so I'm, I wonder if this will be one. Of, this will be an American Beauty, or will this be Fight Club? It still holds yeah. up beautifully. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's that's a good one. Good one to go back to. Awesome. Have, have you seen it? Did you see it when it came out? Um, I didn't see it when it came out. I was too young at that point, but I saw it. This was one of the first, um, so like special edition, like collector's edition DVDs that I remember buying. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was desperate to get all of the director's commentaries and everything like that, and there was a whole bunch of special stuff for it. And I just remember um, Tom Cruise's character so clearly throughout the whole thing, really good. Um, and um, William H. Macy as well, just the, his character's journey throughout the whole thing was just kind of like, I'm not entirely sure what I've seen here, but this is really cool. And the um, Amy Mann music was really good as well. So you've got a lot of excerpts out of this. You can follow mm -hmm. Thomas Anderson, who's made any number of interesting films, Tom Cruise, Jason Robards, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Julianne Moore. Um, so, yeah, you can find, you'll find an exit to this, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll find something interesting for sure. Um, so that will be next week. It is streaming in Australia on Foxhill Now or Binge if you're a local or you can buy it from 
rented, I should say, from Apple, Amazon, Google, all the usual places. Mm-hmm. I've got no idea about you and other countries, but you can just look it up, I'm sure, if you want to watch it with us. We'll be able to find it, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a pretty well-known film. It's not yeah. Death Machine. <laughs> <laughs> so for the next link in the chain, we're going back to Death Machine. Death Machine. Another once, way out. Once a year, every year. <laughs> now... Have you had a chance to look at the teaser trailer for Super Mario the movie? I did. I checked it out this morning because I think it just dropped last night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, early on. Um, I suspect my reaction was the same as everybody else's. Wow, this looks good. But what the fuck is Chris Pratt doing? What was your reaction? I really enjoyed the whole first half of it before they actually had mario the introduction of sort of like the cooper kingdom coming in with the lava and just the obscene size of it compared to the penguins castle thing and just everything about that was great it captured it perfectly jack black as bowser he does a good voice you can just hear the jack black but at the same time he's he's not hamming it up right not hamming it up he's he's not he's not doing poe or anything like that he's actually doing a character he's 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 going more than just jack black in a in a something suit um and the the fight between the penguins and the coopers made me laugh yeah it's very funny it's just legitimately dumb And then just seeing the power of Bowser and all of that looked really cool. And then the Mushroom Kingdom, that looked beautiful. And Mario coming sliding in. And then just Chris Pratt's voice just slightly higher. Really? Why? I mean, the question remains from the start. Why did they cast Chris Pratt in this role? Yeah. The interesting question is, is it a slightly problematic role in a way? Like, yes. it's an Italian-American plumber. Mm. But in this day and age, you just can't get a, a guy who looks like an Italian and go, mamma mia, you know, it, like, it's, it's not That's appropriate anymore to do a, yeah. do a stupid, a silly accent. And Roberto Benini, you know, is the last Italian actor I've ever heard of who, you know, and I don't know if he's available and he's not a name anymore. So how do you deal with Mario? Do you... You, you get someone who does a silly accent, yeah. kind of like the original voice actor. Who, who, I didn't even know if he's still, still Um And even then, you, you can't really. It's a big movie. You got to have a name, you know. Like it, they could, they never cast um, uh, Kevin Conroy as Batman in you know Lego Batman or anything. Despite the fact, you know, he is Batman. You got to have you got to have Will <laughs> Arnett. Um, so it's a little bit. Tr- I can see their quandary there. You need a name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but you can't have someone doing a silly accent because that's not cool anymore. Mm. So, how do you find a voice of this arguably one of the most famous characters of the last fifty years in modern popular culture? Yeah, um, it's really, really hard to do. But at the same time, we've not really heard him speak too much, so mm. maybe it just fits with everything else like the voice that they got for 
toad in the trailer. It's not the typical "Hey, how you doing?" kind of ridiculously yeah. over the top. Oh boy! Um, it still kind of fit. There was that kind of erratic, slightly high pitched, kind of manic nature to his voice that the character of Toad kind of needs. Bowser does well. Namek, the um, uh, the the wizardy creature, all of them do kind of. It feels like they still fit within the Super Mario world, and that's an entertaining voice. Chris Pratt's doesn't yet, but maybe we just haven't seen enough. I think this is uh, a red flag, in a sense. Um, look, I, I look the trailer looked awesome. It looked yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. It, first, he said it's funny. Mm-hmm. This is going to make a lot of money. Probably. Uh, uh, the only thing is that the one thing we're all going into is going, cool, like, you know, we think Nintendo could do a pretty good job on this, you know. Mm. These are the films that have done well in the video game translation. You know, Angry mm. Birds, Detective Pikachu, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. The ones that really have no business doing well are the ones that have done well. Yes. Um, so we kind of we got the formula kind of under control in this space. But yep. the one question we all had was Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt though? Yeah. Like, really? Um like, you it, know. I, I feel like it would have been a good nod, and especially considering what we know. They they could have got John Legazamo to do Mario. It would have been a fun little nod to the bizarre original super mario brothers movie and he's kind of ticking a lot of the appropriate boxes for social appropriation yeah. and the thing is that we all wanted to hear like the one question we all had was like chris pratt how is that going to work maybe he'll do it well and yeah. that's the one thing we're all super curious to see and, and they gave us a tiny little taste of it like could that just be Nintendo going, ah, well, you're going to make you wait? Yeah. Maybe. But yeah. the reaction hasn't gone their way. Like Everyone else has gone, what the fuck? And this isn't quite Sonic levels of of backlash, but it's not good. See, now, I, I, I'm, I, I also hold it as a red flag because if they weren't entirely sure on Chris Pratt's voice, and they, this is just a teaser. This is not a trailer. This is a teaser. They nailed Bowser's bit. And then it could have just had a nice little tag of um, who's going to stop me or something like that. And then you suddenly have Mario coming out going, or one of his, like, it just, maybe even just that, that, Mamma Mia. It's one of his catchphrase. Charles Martin is in the cast. Yeah. So obviously he's going to do some voice work here yeah. um so you're right like you could have i mean that's it they couldn't i don't think they could have not given us something yeah because the only thing that would have been more suspicious than what they gave us would have been not to give us any of chris pratt's performances then we're gonna go how awful is chris pratt in this film but they're not even sticking his voice yeah the one thing everyone's most curious about in the trailer, not one line in the teaser mm. so um it, i find it very suspicious yes um and if a tra- full trailer comes out and it's mm. as bad as this and it's not better, like you are being very optimistic, if you maybe it is, mm. do they do a Sonic? Mm. Maybe. I mean, the, 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 the die's been cast. They went back, came away, what, a year later or something? 
yeah. re-released it and it made a lot of money like to the yeah. point where they made a sequel did really well and everyone was really pleased with that yeah if chris pratt's performance in the trailer is really bad mm-hmm. was badly received do you recast do, do you recast a la kevin spacey and all the money in the world like yeah you know in, in a way it would actually be a lot easier than what they did in sonic they wouldn't have to do special effects they just had to get you know someone need to do the voice work again and you know you could do that in a few exactly. months I would have thought. yeah now the other thing that I would like to point out is the the t- the the little kind of stinger at the end with Luigi being chased by dry bones. Perfect, Mwah. captured Luigi. Perfect. I am so happy that they got my boy Luigi right because oh yes, oh yes. Uh, I, and I should note, I'm apparently I haven't played a Super Mario game since. I mean, I did play Mario Kart on the Switch, but I don't know if that counts. Um, I haven't mm. played a Super Mario game probably since Super Mario 64. So um, the law is lost on me. <laughs> there is no law. That's the law. Like, <laughs> characters most, I, know, I don't know who some of these characters are. Now, I was talking with someone at work today, and Nintendo have already said that they keep an eye out for little bits and pieces and Easter eggs in the mo- throughout the movie. Now, everyone... Everyone who played Super Mario 64 did the same heinous crime. That's why hell is filling up quickly of getting the baby penguin and dropping it off the edge of the cliff. Now, they've already shown the the Frozen Kingdom and penguins. If there's not a bit where Mario has to save a baby penguin and he walks by a (laughs) a massive cliff face and he just looks and it's an annoying little child, like a a pre-kid boomer, just complaining about something and he just looks and it's like, I could, but no, I'll be good. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they can You can't push a cute penguin. They're going to sell those penguins are going to be in the Happy Meals. Of course they are. Of course they are. But um, overall... (laughs) Apart from the one, the one issue, I thought yes. it looked really good, and I yes. would see this movie um, based on that teaser. Mm. Agreed. If, if nothing else, just to see what Chris Pratt's all about. Like, I mean, mm. super strange choice. Super strange. Yeah, it's just an odd choice right from the get go, and we haven't had um, Anya Taylor Joy as Princess Peach. And yet. You know, what if you, Jack Black? I think could do a better Mario, like yeah. than than Chris Pratt. Like, I don't exactly have a voice in my head. But Jack's got a lot of voices, a lot of characters inside him. Like he's, I don't know. I just don't see Chris Pratt and voice work. Yeah, I mean, yes, he did the Lego movie, but he was playing a literally an everyman character. And that's kind of what he's made his career on, really, with odd exceptions like uh, the Terminalist. Yeah. yeah. And he did with Kay in the Terminalist um, and yeah. the Zero Dark Thirty. Mm. Um, I'm not a Chris Pratt hater. I don't understand. He's in a church or something that people don't like. Um, I don't understand it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not a hater. I just don't. We talked about it a while ago. What was it? The mm. show we were watching, and we we're like, you can make the difference between voice actors and actors playing voice actors. I can't remember mm. the show we were talking about, but mm. maybe it was a death of death and robots. I can't remember, but no, it was um, what if. You can yeah. tell when they when they got actual voice actors to do the characters and what if yes. they were really good and convincing, but when they got screen yeah. actors to do the voice parts, it was significantly less convincing. Yeah, yeah. voice acting is an art form of its own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you got to have big names in there now to sell tickets, but I feel like Mario sells tickets on his own. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, yes, Sonic is not as big of a name as Mario. That's kind of the the legacy of the Nintendo so uh, Sega Wars. <laughs> Mario beat Sonic. They didn't have tons of big names except for the bad guy, Jim Carrey. And he's kind of a past his prime big name. Yeah. So Jack Black, he's still got he's still got there's still some shine to that apple. He's not he's not past it. And when it comes to animation at least, those Kung Fu Panda movies made us mint. Yes, absolutely. And people still like him and people still enjoy him. So I'm kind of curious why they decided they need to get all-star cast when they could have gone the Sonic route. Maybe Nintendo were just like, no, we can't do what Sonic did. But this, I mean, onto a more positive note, mm. once, once this does well, because I have absolutely no doubt in my mind, this mm. is going to be a hit mm -hmm. because it spans generation, Mario. You, we, uh, you're almost 40. I'm in my mid-40s. I played Super Mario since I was a kid. So you've got 40, 50-year-old people who love Mario. They still make Mario games today. And I assume, I don't know, but I assume it's still popular with younger Ooh. gamers. Yeah. Um, and Mario Kart's still a massive franchise. And yeah. Super Smash Brothers involves yeah. a lot of the Mario characters. It's still a huge franchise. So, I mean, that's 40 years, 50 years of almost of... of um, Fans. Of, of fans of people who, who love this character. And well, I, I don't particularly love the Mario games. I mean, like, I'm curious. So once this is a smash, mm -hmm. well, next you've got the Donkey Kong movie. You've got uh, the Zelda movie. Fuck, man, the Zelda movie writes itself. Like, well, Donkey Kong is in this movie, apparently. Like, it's played by Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, yeah. Um, which is an interesting choice, but I think he could do it depending on how they play the character. Nintendo have now bought a production company, um, and it's now called Nintendo Pictures. So they are, they seem to be making financial moves at the very least that they are confident in the success of this movie to the point where they are going to make other things. The next thing is either will they double down and do a sequel to this first before doing something else, or will they go, all right let's get zelda or let's get metroid or let's get any of the other staples that myriad of characters that they are like exactly. um, this is going to be the start of a gold mine this could be the next marvel it could very well be yeah because i think marvel aren't marvel anymore we're looking for something different now but then um, even even the the crazy thing with that is we've because of Wreck-It Ralph over at Disney, we've already got some of those characters appearing in games together and they could culminate in a Smash Brothers movie where they just go, yeah, let's just get all of those um, video game characters, pull them all together. Why not? It's just because, the right thing, really. Yeah, but they, they've done it in the video games and they've done it little bits, like... Just uh, imagine all of the red tape that there was for um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They did it. They've done it. They've done it with the so like um, some of the shit that they had in the Chip and Dale movie that um, I watched the, a couple of months ago, as well as um, Space Jam and things like that. There are they they're cross pollinating because they know there's money in it. They can do well, it. I would love to see it, and you know, maybe after seven years. Uh, my prediction about video games being <laughs> finally 
be, uh, you can actually go, well, you know, it's, it's, it's all happening right now. The last of us is coming. The division's a movie. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think it's almost true. The only difference is they're not very good, most mm. of them. Um, mm. So we're waiting for a, I still think we're waiting for the killer app, so to speak. Mm. Really, and Mario, I don't think it'll be it. Um, I think it'll make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like I said, but I think I think it'll still they'll still go. That's for kids. Yeah, you know I think when if it's the Last of Us, if it's the Division, if it's whatever else they're going to make, mm. you know something like that might be the one. If the Last of Us just blows up, maybe it'll be the next um, you know the next uh, Game of Thrones kind of thing. You know, yeah. But it's um, seven years. My prediction is closer <laughs> than ever to becoming true. Time is just going to eventually prove you right, sir. <laughs> now, what should we move on to next? Um, you, um, did you want to um, talk? Have you caught, caught any more of the Rings of Power? I have not. I spent three and a half days on a train in the middle of a Nullarbor plane, mm-hmm. uh, and I did download a bunch of stuff, but I did not download that because... Well, I said I liked it well enough. I don't care enough to keep watching it. <laughs> it's okay, you know. It's like it's fine. I just don't. And I don't love good stuff now. It's I don't, I don't, it's fine. I I just don't care enough about the Tolkien's world to spend nine hours on it. Yeah, you're missing out. Uh, it's good stuff. It's it's, well, it's I mean, building well. Hey, you're into you're up to date. Yes, yes, I am absolutely up to date and. I'm really, really enjoying the the slow burn build of everything. The little nuances of slight shifts in how characters you think they're coming together in one way or then, uh, and then something happens. And (sighs) what they do to make the Shadowlands is cool, and it looks fucking awesome they have just the, we talked about the production value of this before and wow how they the way that they narratively do it and visually show the birth of the shadowlands oh that's really that's that's good and it looks good it looks dangerous the one downside to the whole thing is there is some element of hero savior um and or hero sanctity and it's like okay you're showing me this aftermath and they're strangely perfect barely even a scratch lots of lots of mess all on them and collateral mess but no actual sort of like gore viscera damage and yet the people right next to them definitely not as lucky and they also we don't know their name and they are not a known repeat actor hmm so there's they're, a little... they're basically basically the red shirts yeah so it's a it's a little annoying on that but um i'm i'm, I'm allowing them to i'm forgiving them this because they have engaged my interest in the characters and particularly um in the way that the story of Elrond and the dwarves 
that side that side story is developing it was beautiful character work and genuinely heartfelt really really impressed with it it's it's very very nuanced and well done i'm i'm impressed with it to the, to this point um production values remain unlike so many other tv shows where it starts off amazing and then it's like all right we blew our budget fuck <laughs> strangely everything happens in a warehouse now um <laughs> i'm, I'm not like in a video game like a video game level one amazing visuals open world the next three levels the sewers <laughs> or basically anything that the cw has ever created <laughs> so like oh, oh yeah this is <laughs> now they all just sit around in a big set that's it that's how we save money for the special effects um no, it's really good. The actors are doing a solid, solid job. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it, and I'm just going to keep going back. How far along are we? Seven episodes are out now. So there's a couple to go? Episode eight is coming out um, on Friday. Well, um, America's Friday, so in the next few hours, theoretically. Um I think it's nine episodes. I think it's nine episodes the first season. Um, let me just have a look. One season. Uh, oh, they've only got eight. Okay. Eight listed on IMDb. So hmm, maybe. Maybe a season finale then. Yeah. Uh, oh, so um, episode seven that I watched today is the most recent one. Uh, it's going to be next week that uh, the, the, the season finale goes on. And it'll be interesting to see where the characters are because there are some people who are missing at the end of episode seven. That's like, you I haven't seen a body, so you're not dead. But where are you? <laughs> well, I know. A, uh, I keep seeing people say how it's a billion dollar disaster, and no, uh, look, I watched the first two episodes, and look, I know there are some YouTubers out there who make a lot of money. By being negative and telling you that, that uh, giving you intellectually solid reasons to hate things you already hate, mm. uh, I would encourage you to push back on that a little bit if you're mm. one of those people. And look, I fall into that trap sometimes. Like you see a movie, you go, "That's the worst fucking thing I've ever seen." You go and find YouTubers and 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 go, "Oh yeah, he's right. It's crap." Um, but yeah, if you haven't watched it and you're basing your decision not to based on you know mm. pictures of characters you saw in magazines or on the internet and the YouTube views of, you know, um, antagonists, give it a go first. I mean, look, I don't like Tolkien and it's to the point where I haven't bothered to go back for more, but I'm not a Tolkien fan. I don't care about Tolkien's characters that much, but the first two episodes were entertaining. The orc fight at the end of episode two was sick. Um, So, if you are any kind of fan of fantasy or, or Lord of Rings or Tolkien, Tolkien's work, um, it, don't listen to the hype. Mm. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I will just quickly talk about the show that I haven't gone back to, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. <laughs> My gay. I tried. I tried um, we, um, back on the 15th of September when Mean, Green and Straight poured into these jeans was released that is episode five 
She-Hulk discovers Titania owns the name She-Hulk and is suing her for trademark infringement. That's thrilling. I couldn't get through the first five minutes, and now I haven't gone back. We have just had, um, just yesterday or today, depending on where you are in the world, Ribbit and Rippit, which is episode eight, which has Daredevil. And the clip is already online, and I looked at it, and I was like, all right. Don't need to watch the episode, do I? That's it. That, that, that's it. Okay. Some of these episodes, like episode, uh, the one you just mentioned has a 5.3 rating on IMDb. Mm-hmm. The one after it has a 4.6. But the latest one has a 7.9, so maybe they're saving the interesting stuff to the end of the season. I also think that that 7.9 is people just desperate for Daredevil. Could be. Daredevil's in it, giving it an 8. <laughs> Um, it's 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 been interesting. It's uh, Rotten Tomatoes splitness again is mm-hmm. seventy odd rated certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience scores around thirty six. It's it's mm-hmm. another one of those ones where the, uh, the critics and the public just don't see it. Oh, I know I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't feel a great need to go back and see any more of it after episode mm-hmm. two. Um, mm-hmm. And the um, it just it seems really disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yet another disappointing entry in the Disney Plus world of. Uh, mm. Marvel shows, and it doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. Did you see the trailer for Black Panther 2? Yep. Uh, now, I'm not going to get too carried about way about this. Like, anyone who's watched your show for a long time knows. Mm-hmm. I think Marvel make lousy trailers. Yes, they do. Um, I thought the trailer for the original Black Panther was lousy. Yep. And I remember going, eh, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and expecting very little for it, being very, very nicely impressed. Mm-hmm. That it was actually a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure it was quite as good as they said it was, but it was it still was really good. Eleven movie, yeah. No, it was good. It, mm-hmm. it was a good superhero movie, and they had a great villain. Yes. Um, and now this time around, we've got Shuri. I think is taking on the mantle, which Apparently. she probably wouldn't have if you know, Chadwick hadn't passed away. So mm-hmm. you know, I no kudos to to Marvel for this one. They really didn't have a whole lot of choice. Mm. Um, uh, and I think she takes the mantle in the comic books anyway. But mm. Namor, okay, yeah, I command by any other name. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. I think the big thing that people seem to be excited about is that he is yet another official mutant in the MCU. It's like, well, why? Why are you excited about that? They've confirmed that it's already going to fucking happen. So. You know, you don't need more breadcrumbs. Just show us Wolverine. That's all really fucking <laughs> uh, Yeah, and apparently we have to wait for Deadpool 3 for that. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it, uh, I'll i see it. And look, I, I don't think... I, I don't want to be that person. I was just saying, you know, mm. cynical person going, rah, rah, this is shit. It could be good. I'm just saying, their trailers don't usually excite me. This one yeah. is no different. I'm going to yeah. go and see it, and I bloody well hope they get it right, because... The first one was great. Yeah, yeah. My hope is my hope is that it'll be good. Based on that trailer, it'll probably be exactly what we expect every other MCU movie that has come out in the last five years to be. It doesn't say to me this is the film of a quality they were making four mm. or five years ago. It says exactly. this is the kind of film lump this in with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. Fall Up and Thunder. You know, films you go, 
it's not terrible. It's not absolutely awful, but I mean, compared to what they've made in the past, it's not it's not great. But like uh, again, <laughs> I've been there before with their trailers, and I've been fooled. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, we're going to talk about him in the second hour because mm -hmm. I was a very, very, very skeptical about his casting, but something has changed in the meantime. Oh. Now, is it time for sponsors? It's time for our sponsors, our commercial breaks. The sponsors are back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Trek Perspective <laughs> will be back, I promise. We watched the Star Trek Into Darkness just the other night, in fact. Mm. Um, and we are going to do a supercut, uh, I think, probably, hopefully by next week, where we will be able to talk about all three of the Abrams films, so the Kelvinverse films, um, if you're in the know. Please tell me that it's just like a literal supercut of <laughs> and just Michelle going, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah, yeah, nah, nah. Um, you'll, nope. have to wait. you'll have to wait and see. You'll have to wait and see. It'll be the shortest episode of the Trek Respective we've had. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. It's, you know, I mean, she is a discerning um, and well, a well-read individual who understands the quality of a good story uh, mm -hmm. in Star Trek. Yep. Sure. So, and I think the Trek perspectives today have, have proven me right. <laughs> but that will be back. But this week, you're stuck with our, uh, our, our sponsor, which is vaguely racist Australian TV commercials. You just gotta have this card. You retailers better be real quick. We can't hold these prices down for much longer. Get in this week before the prices erupt. This week only a camel catch and carry in the white and yellow pages. Ho, 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 Delilah. Campbell's cheapest in the world tables and cheers are now even cheaper. 
Cable, six thirty nine ninety five. Chairs, six nine fifty. Cable and four chairs, $77.95. Any color you like, as long as it's white. You gotta have this card. You gotta be in the yellow pages to buy for someone in the yellow pages. Table thirty nine ninety five. Chairs, nine fifty. Table and four chairs, seventy seven ninety five. Just great for the Christmas barbies. She was ever outdoor tables and chairs from Campbell's in the white yellow pages. Ho ho ho. Oh, what do you think of Chicken Treats' new chicken ham and cheeseburger? Man, I know my burger's right. This is the best chicken ham and cheeseburger I've ever had. You got the barbecue chicken, you got cheese to please, and man, check out Wait till I tell him he can get a chicken ham and cheeseburger plus a small chips for just two seventy-five. Two seventy-five for the world's best chicken burger and chips? They gotta be crazy! The two seventy-five chicken ham and cheeseburger with small chips only from Chicken Treat. They're ready. Another five minutes, Arthur. Another five minutes? Mm -hmm. All takes a good hour and a half for a chicken treat chicken to be perfect, Arthur. In fact, every chicken will rotate past the barbecuing bar over 115 times before it's cooked just right. Should have been a mathematician, Harry. But then there'd be no one to teach you how to barbecue the perfect chicken now, would there? Too much chicken, chicken. Yeah, uh, chicken treat. I think are a West Australian company, so hence I um, just did sneak them in there. You notice you might have noticed some talent in the last chicken treat. That was a non-racist chicken treat commercial. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, very very young Heath Ledger. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael Caton for those playing mm -hmm. from home, who was a also a very well-known Australian actor. Mm -hmm. Wait, was? Is he dead? No, he is. Well, okay. I mean, it was in the sense he's now appearing in you know, um, snack food commercials yet again. I don't know what he does with all his money. Well, he just goes up to Bonnie Doom. <laughs> but who wouldn't? Exactly. It's that is a deep. For our non-Australian uh, listeners, that'd be TV for filming a reference. It's a film called The Castle. Fantastic. Overseas. fantastic film. I would like to talk about another fantastic film that I saw this week while I was on the train myself. So I thought there was some nice synergy here because mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about Bullet Train. Okay, the latest yes. film by, uh, starring Brad Pitt, directed mm. by David Leach. Who directed? Oh, he did Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. Deadpool two. He was uncredited as a director for um, John Wick, but it sounds like he had something to do with directing that film. He was a stunt coordinator on John Wick. Okay. Um, and uh, this film, five assassins aboard a swiftly moving bullet train to find out uh, aboard a swiftly moving bullet train to find out that their missions have something in common. Starring Brad Pitt, he plays a hitman, hired gun, called his codename is Ladybug. Mm -hmm. um, Joey King, who I have never heard of before, but based on her performance in this, I suspect we will see more of her. I talked um, about her in The Princess on Disney Plus the other week. Uh, and she is very good in this. She plays mm -hmm. uh, a, a character named Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Tyree Henry from The Eternals plays a character named Lemon. And the man we were just talking about, Aaron Taylor Johnson, 
Tangerine. Mm. They are a duo of hitmen on the train. Uh, Andrew Koji, Hiroyuki Sonata, who I think was in Mortal Kombat. Um, um, he is the current, like, oh, we need a Japanese actor who's awesome and smoldering. Let's get him. <laughs> uh, Michael Shannon has a beautiful cameo in this. Uh, if you are any under the age of 30, you'll know who Bad Bunny is, mm -hmm. or a WWE fan, I suspect, you'll know who Bad Bunny is. Um, he is okay, yeah. a rapper, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and he plays a character that's called Wolf. And uh, Zazie Betts has a blinking you miss a kind of role mm -hmm. uh, and cameos for Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, sorry. And, of course, um, what's his name? <laughs> I can't think of Sorry? Asi Oka? No, bigger than that. Um, Magic Mike. Um, oh, um, Channing Tatum? That's it. Channing Tatum had a couple of lines in this as well. Okay. It's an interesting crossover because Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock, of course, were in a film, uh, Lost City, with a very a brief cameo from, from Brad Pitt, and now they're cameoing in his film. Uh, and the cameos in this work a lot. Well, Brad Pitt was great in Lost City. This film's mm. a lot better than Lost City. This is a great okay, film. Okay. So, this film is the um, the unofficial love child of um, Edgar Wright, Guy Ritchie, and Quentin Tarantino. With yes, probably the most Guy Ritchie input into this. Okay. Um, so all of these uh, hitmen, uh, Brad Pitt is hired to go aboard this bullet train in Japan and steal a briefcase, and that's mm -hmm. it. But little okay. did you know that there are a whole bunch of other hitmen on the train who have all been tasked with different sort of conflicting uh, missions, but all revolve around what's in this briefcase and who it's there for. Okay. So um, uh, as I said, Aaron Taylor-Johnson uh, and Brian Terry Henry played Tangerine the Lemon. They are there protecting uh, Michael Shannon's son. They're trying to get his, they've rescued him and his ransom is in the briefcase and they are trying to get him home. Things happen that may or may not uh, affect that. We have uh, Joey King who has her own agenda in here. Uh, she takes uh, Andrew Koji as her hostage in an effort to sort of achieve her own goals. Zazie Betts is on board as a killer as well, and she's trying to do her own thing. She has her own agenda. Did you ever watch Smoke and Aces? Yes. I think it has some influence on something like that. But again, yeah. Just the clusterfuck of everyone converging on the same, same sort of – and they're all on the same train, and they're all trying mm -hmm. to sort of – and the whole time Brad Pitt has the earpiece in talking to his handler, who is mm -hmm. played by um, – uh, Sandra Bullock. He is going through this uh, mid, not quite a midlife crisis. He's sort of having a change of heart about being a hitman. Okay. He's constantly spouting this new age wisdom about, you know, trying to get away, trying to change, trying not to be a criminal anymore. He's constantly spouting this sort of new age wisdom that people's like, hurt people, hurt people. Um, uh, and, you know, I found myself going, well, that's a little bit Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction, you know. He didn't mm. want to be a hitman either at the end of it. Mm. Um, and uh, the critics have not been kind to this. Uh, it has a 49 meta score. Uh, I don't know what the Rotten Tomatoes score is, but it's not great. Um, but I absolutely loved this. I had so much fun with this movie. 
this is uh, one of the most fun movies I've seen in a really, really long time. Yes, it is a big, dumb, stupid action movie that has completely detached from reality. It's almost a live-action cartoon in places. But you know what? I like cartoons. One of my favourite TV shows is Rick and Morty. And it's not trying to be realistic. It's not trying to portray something like John Wick kind of edges into the more realistic territory potentially of what a fight scene might look like. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, maybe it's a bit unrealistic in the sense that Keanu never gets killed. But it's this is even more cartoony than that. Yeah, it's it's also the same time as being a, a full-on action movie, it's also a comedy. I found myself laughing out loud a number of times at this, and that doesn't happen very often these days mm. in Hollywood. Mm. Uh, I loved the relationship between uh, Lemon and Tangerine, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, and Aaron Taylor Johnson, I didn't even recognise him in this because he's got a brilliant... I mean, they are doing this standard Cockney um, Guy Ritchie accent. Hey, hey, Gov, hey, Governor, showing your shoes, Governor. Mm. Uh, right to your back, right to your Governor. Um, and Sporting a, a moustache. And he pulls it off beautifully. He's fantastic in this movie. And mm. I am not a fan of Aaron Taylor Johnson. I know people worship at the you know at the altar of kick-ass and i didn't think kick-ass was all that great apart from Nick, apart from nicholas cage's adam west impersonation um and it uh moritz grace's hit girl was awesome as well she's great it was it was fine yeah. it was fine you know um but he was terrible in godzilla all those years ago i thought he was a lousy quicksilver in mm -hmm. in in the marvel films and I don't think I've he was in Tenet as well, which was disappointing. Um, so I'm like, no, Aaron Taylor Johnson, he can fuck right off. Like, um, he's fantastic in this. Okay. Uh, and uh, Aaron, but he and Brian Tyree Henry, or Brian Tyree Henry at Lemon, has an obsession with Thomas the Tank Engine. And he's learned all his morality about Thomas the Tank Engine. And he's constantly on this shit train hunting for a diesel. And I'm like, and I've heard critics go, oh, it's not funny. I'm like, Jesus, you must be cynical and world-weary not to find that amusing. Wait, wait. Does the fact that we watched um, Thomas the Tank Engine and the Magic um, Railway actually help inform on this movie? That would be a stretch. <laughs> um, that would be a stretch. Uh, your, your, your mate who put us on the bat still owes us one. Um, yes, you <laughs> um, But, you yeah. I thought it was actually a really funny little quirk. Um, I, I, I enjoyed that little mm. running joke immensely. The fight scenes, of course, this guy is a stunt coordinator. He's done, you know, he's worked on those John Wick films. So, mm. you know, he's got that under control. Mm. Uh, and they're, they're fantastic. They're spectacular. They're really, they're, um, they use space. Uh, one of, the, my, mm. one of the fa my favorite scenes in the film is a fight scene between um, Ladybug and Lemon in one of those quiet carriages on the Shinkansen, the bull train. Mm -hmm. And every time someone gets their head into a window, some woman turns around and goes, shh. <laughs> That's really, really fucking funny. <laughs> um, you know, um, or the two of them sort of being interrupted by the, the trolley girl, you know, uh, so that it's, it gets actually in the, um, actually in the trailer of a film. Mm. Um, it is an absolute, Blast. Some people say it got a bit long or, uh, you know, convoluted at parts. I mean, he struggled to follow this plot. 
I mean, seriously. <laughs> um, these are the same people who years ago you met and go, yeah, I didn't like Pulp Fiction. It was a bit confusing. Um, you know, I, I, maybe they're the same people. But it, this is, yeah, this film wears its influences on its sleeve. I mean, it, it screams Guy Ritchie. It screams Tarantino, you know, mm. sub-Tarantino, not, you know, good Tarantino. Mm. Um, and I guess... <laughs> It's sort of vague, Edgar, there's a sprinkle of Edgar mm. Um, You know, there's, there's enough to get, you know, more interesting than your, you know, standard action movie. Like, some of the death scenes are really full on. Um, and the musical choices are, this is where a Tarantino comes in again. They're completely unusual and original, yet they work. Um it, it sounds like it's exactly what it wants to be and just hits those notes. For me, at least, I, I'm just stunned at the amount of people to that who, who say they didn't like it, especially for critics. I mean, these are the people who are telling me that She-Hulk is good are telling me that this is bad. Um, I, I don't understand. Um, you know, uh, I guess if you can, can't suspend your disbelief, um, yeah. maybe you can, I can see how that might affect your under enjoyment of a film because yeah sure there's some crazy shit that had like one particular scene where someone actually is standing on top of a bullet train having a fight you're like those things move pretty quickly i've <laughs> been on them right like or someone smashes his way into one of the uh, cockpits of the bullet train well after landing on it and you're like come on that's a bit silly but you know what i don't care i'm having you know it's one of those films where it's just <laughs> I'm just having fun. I'm having a good time, and it's ridiculous. But everything in this film is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, it's not trying to be anything other than what it is, which is a good time. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I don't know if this film's found its audience, but I sort of saw reviews and sort of went, oh, well, maybe not. But then I sort of thought, well, fuck it, you know, whatever. I'm just going to check it out. There's not mm. much out of the cinemas at the moment, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and I'm so glad I did. I, I have one of my films of a year, despite the fact it's big, dumb, and stupid. It's just a good time. And I kind of feel like sometimes a lot of stuff that gets pumped out by Hollywood these days, they kind of forget that part. You know, mm. maybe should, I've always sort of said, start with a good time and work backwards with all the other things you want, all the other boxes you want to tick. You want representation, which we agree is fantastic. You want to do all these other really interesting and important things. Start with a good time mm. and then add those bits around it. I don't think they do that terribly often. Um, so if you get a chance to see Bullet Train um, and you like films like John Wick, I think you're going to enjoy this immensely. Okay. Cool. Well, and you gives me significant hope for films like Craven Hunter because Aaron Taylor Johnson was so good in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's the, I think, the next the next Sony superhero movie is Craven the Hunter. Yeah. I mean, it's got big shoes to fill. I mean, how do you follow up a, a film like Morbius? Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. I haven't watched it and I feel I feel the heat of that burn. Oh, <laughs> You need to Ooh. get on to that one, by the way. Mm, uh, no. You do. You really do. I'm going to have to find a way to link to that as a film of the week. You need to see that <laughs> film. <laughs> It's, you know, we, we need a reason to say it's Morbid time. No, we do not need a reason. We just simply don't because let's not and say we did. No, I have seen that film. If I had to, you have to. No, that's not how this works. 
Anyway, Bull Train, an absolute delight. Um, okay. Really kind of thing, summer film you might have made 20 or 30 years ago in a lot of ways. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I could rent Morbius for $6.99. No. Just no. no. <laughs> I, I, I think that's, yeah, just wait, until it's, that. wait till it's free somewhere. <laughs> they can't afford it to go free. <laughs> they need to pay for that second re-release. <laughs> it was. It's. It's actually. I have seen it. And if you didn't see the show, it's actually a genuinely terrible film. Oh dear. I've got no idea what they were thinking with that. Okay. Well, um, did you? Because you've got a couple of things that you talked about. Yeah. Uh, speaking of new releases, Confess Fletch came out in the last few weeks. Oh. Um, don't ask me where I saw it because it's not been released in Australia. Um, but you so, know, it's too convenient. Global <laughs> world of the internet. No, yeah. we can't have the same date. We don't want to. Actually, don't even know if it's coming out to cinemas here. Um, those who watch the show regularly uh, mm-hmm. might uh, have remembered that uh, I've been watching the older Fletch film films mm-hmm. uh, over recent weeks because I had never seen them somehow. And I'm now a Fletch fan because they're both the first the Chevy Chase films are both very good. And mm-hmm. I was very skeptical but interested about what John Hamm would make of a role. Mm. I am exceedingly pleased to say this is a great film and that I enjoyed this immensely. Okay. So uh, after becoming the prime suspect in multiple murders, Fletch strives to prove his innocence whilst simultaneously searching for his fiance's stolen art collection. Uh, we have yeah, John Hamm in the role of Fletch, uh, Marsha Gay Harden, another name people will probably know. She's an Academy Award winner. Carl mm. uh, McLaughlin shows up as the bad guy. Uh, John Slattery, who was, of course, um, John Hamm's Tony boss in, in Mad Men uh, as well. Um, Tony Stark's dad as well? Yes, yeah. Uh, Howard Stark. I go see him like, oh my god, he's the guy from Mad Men. I, f- I completely forgot about Mad Men. Hmm. Um, and Robert Picardo makes a, a cameo towards yeah, okay. uh, for, for all the Star Trek fans mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. uh, of course. And uh, Inner Space fans, are they still out there somewhere? Probably. I am. Um, <laughs> it's a great film. So John Hamm does play a very different character to to, to um, Chevy Chase, but interesting is he doesn't do all the the wacky outfits and the voices and the characters the way that uh, that um, Chevy Chase did. So my first question on this is: this trying to be part of the same series, or is this just incidentally just another movie, but just? Not associated whatsoever. There's no association. There's no link. No link that I saw or anything mentioned of the previous films. There could be. Look, I, I didn't watch it super closely. There could be an Easter egg or two in there. I did, but it is based off another of the books by okay. Gregory McDonald. He wrote a great number of Fletch books, I believe. Mm. And so this is still based off the same source material um, uh, as in an actual official book by the author but it hasn't it's i guess you'd have to call this a complete reboot in the sense that there's mm. no connection to to chevy chase's films uh this is not supposed to be the same character as far as i know but what okay. i was impressed by 
John mm-hmm. Hamm seems to have found the core of a character, but without necessarily doing a Chevy Chase impersonation, which okay. I think is worthy of very high praise mm-hmm. as an actor. Mm-hmm. We were, um, Michelle and I were watching uh, Star Trek Into Darkness the other night, mm-hmm. and we observed something that I had forgotten about those films. Mm-hmm. Is that I, I really look? I know it's really fashionable to shit on JJ Abrams, and that's basically deserves that after what he did Star Wars. Um, <laughs> but he did a pretty good job, I think, in the two Star Trek films he directed, um, Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. And his cast did a fantastic, whoever cast that film did a fantastic job. Because mm-hmm. I always found that those, that uh, Chris Pine, Zoe Saldana, Carl Urban, and Zachary Quinto mm-hmm. all really did what I'm talking about, John Hamm here. They found the core of Kirk and, and Uhura and all those characters. It never mm. felt like they were doing, Chris Pine was doing a Shatner impersonation. Mm. It felt like he was playing Kirk. The only mm. character in that actor in that film I didn't think did that successfully was Simon Pegg, who I always felt was doing a, a, a James Doohan impersonation, mm. a parody yeah. of, of a Scotty parody, and bring him up, Scotty, you know, kind of, he's mm. exaggerated Scottish accent and, you know, played mm-hmm. for laughs. And maybe that was the director in that case, but. If you think of those characters, like they, they almost are those characters now. And I think John Hamm's pulled the same thing off here without doing, like I said, doing the wacky over the top voices and characters that, that, um, that Chevy Chase was doing in those films. Sort of the, the casual charm and arrogance and intelligence and dry, witty sense of humor that, that Fletch has mm. and the sarcasm, um, okay. and, and sort of, um, innate self-belief in the character that he can talk his way out of any situation. Um, John Hamm has all of that in here. So this is probably toned down in terms of laughs. If you're thinking of the, the earlier films from the eighties, it's not okay. as laugh out loud funny, but I found it amusing in parts. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably leaning a little harder into the detective story. Okay. But, and it's the, the humor is, a sort of note there, a more droll, dry humor rather than the, as I sort of note, you know, wacky characters. Mm. Okay. And less, but also no less sexual in nature. I mean, the, you know, which is kind of, you know, Chevy Chase's Fletch was definitely oversexed in a way. He was certainly not <laughs> was popular with the ladies. Uh, in the second film, he has sex with his lawyer and she dies the next morning. Um, this is the kind of thing that this Fletch would probably do as well. He's certainly not, he's, um, sex is a factor in the film. Mm. Um, and him being handsome and charming and suave, um, in a sarcastic kind of way really, really works for him. John Hamm, I didn't know if he'd get that right, but he really played it well. Um, so, uh, it's a really entertaining film. It's low budget, but, you know, it's a fairly straight-ahead story. But if you like the earlier films, I think you're going to like this one. I would strongly recommend people check this out when and if it ever gets a fucking release in this country, if you're overseas. I don't even know where it came out of. I think it might be on Hulu or something. Um, I've got no idea where it came out. It's a Miramax production. They exist? Yeah, I had no idea Miramax was still a thing. Okay. I know, I know Disney bought Miramax. Disney uh, owned them, yeah. 
Um, but I didn't know they still used the Miramax imprint. Yeah, you know? I thought it was like salted earth kind of thing. I thought they stopped using it before that happened, but mm -hmm. no, it's still a thing because this has the famous Miramax logo at the start of it. And like you said, um, anybody who knows anything about cinema knows Miramax was the house of Weinstein. Mm -hmm. uh, and anything associated with those guys, I'm very surprised. Mm -hmm. I mean, once upon a time, Miramax had cachet, you know? The Tarantino yeah. films came out of Miramax. Kevin Smith films were kept Miramax. They were kind of the indie, edgy, darling, you know? it was You had mm -hmm. Miramax at the start. It was going to be cool. Just yeah. Like Disney bought them, I imagine. Yeah. Um, not anymore. <laughs> Just seeing Miramax, I think Harvey Weinstein. Yep. Um, so I was I was a little surprised to see they're still using it, but it's the first it's the first Miramax film I can remember seeing in a really long time. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, I was really pleased to say that this is this is one of the better films I've seen uh, John Hamm be in. Apparently, he took a massive pay cut to get it made, um, and I'm so glad because I, I would love to see more Fletch films of him in it. Mm. Who knows if that's actually going to happen though? Fair enough. Interesting. I'm looking at um, Miramax film listing on Wikipedia, and it goes from 1992, um, the earliest one they have there, which is uh, Hellraiser, going through to Bad Santa in 2016, or Bad Santa 2, Bridget Jones' Diary, or the Bridget Jones series, and Sin City. So this isn't listed. Interesting. Uh, if you, there's actually a Miramax website which links to my IMDb. Films in here include films like Halloween Kills. The Gentleman apparently is a Miramax film. Uh, Halloween, Mother Android, which landed on Netflix. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. I guess um, they're still making things. Well, I, I think there was a period before the Me Too movement and the Weinstein scandal. They did break off and then they, did, they came up with the Weinstein co Company. And Miramax was kind of left. I think that was actually when may may have been when Disney actually bought them. Was at that break? I believe so. I think they were Weinstein's left the Miramax. I don't think yeah. they went to Disney. Mm. Uh, I'm sure Disney are infinitely <laughs> grateful for considering what came afterwards. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But at the same time, no, not you, Harvey. Go away. It's a little bit like VW, you know, when you know where VW started, and if you don't know, look that up. Um, and then you see, you know, that they still exist today, and you go, we've managed to detach those two facts from each other, that yeah. Volkswagen exists, mm -hmm. and how they started, we don't make that connection. Um, no, we, we don't. <laughs> We're uh, family, uh, family. <laughs> so in the same way we are here with Miramax, we know mm -hmm. how it started. And we know they still exist, but we're just not going to, you know, try and disconnect those two things. Um, and if you live long enough to become the villain. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's not hold this against Fletch. Fletch, no. Confess Fletch is really great. Excellent. Uh, the, the other one I wanted to quickly touch on, and I will make this quick because I actually didn't, a bit like you with um, She-Hulk, I didn't quite manage to finish it because this might be the dumbest movie I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. Okay. And I yeah. have seen some shit. We, we, um, have, we have striven to watch some shit. Some shit. I mean, 
Like, this film is, like, fucking stupid. The movie is Moonfall. Uh, and I am not the first to point it out, but I was a bit bored before my uh, tour to uh, Western Australia. And I, I thought, oh, how bad could it really be? Uh, I found out. Um, so, Moonfall, made this, released this year, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit and sends it hurtling on a collision course towards Earth. Directed by the one, the only, Mr. Disaster film himself, Roland Emmerich. He of The Days of Tomorrow, Independence mm-hmm. Day, amongst other things. Uh, speaking of disasters, the original 1998 Godzilla film, I believe, was a Roland Emmerich film. Yes, it was. <laughs> Stars, Harley Berry. Mm-hmm. She's father mighty have fallen. Um, mm-hmm. Mr. I don't have a budget for a real star. Patrick Wilson. Um, So cruel. (laughs) Really? He just turns up like he's like, he's like the, you know, the Billy Baldwin of the the Wilson (laughs) clan, you know, like he's the the Wilson you buy when you can't afford a good Wilson. Um, Owen was busy. Um, He's the Daniel Baldwin, what should I say, really? Um, Michael Pena. Uh, as a as a cameo in here, mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of yeah. Donald Sutherland has a cameo. Um, it, it, of- I've noticed that it actually follows on from the the ongoing trend that uh, that you have. Um, John Bradley, who was in Game of Thrones. Ah, that would be why I didn't recognize him. He has third billing in here, and I'm like, I've got no idea who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so. He, John Bradley in here plays a conspiracy theorist, an online conspiracy theorist who has, who is a member of a group of people who believe that the moon is hollow and occupied by some sort of force. Um, Patrick Wilson plays a, an astronaut who is in space and his partner, his fellow astronaut is killed in space by a cloud of, things but when he gets back to earth no one believes him that these weird space things happened and that he was somehow responsible for the death of his colleague because of incompetence so he's disgraced and you know uh outcast from the space community when it turns out bum, 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 he was right and there really is something mm-hmm. inside the moon and uh the moon is going to crash into the earth for reasons um and <laughs> Holly Berry works for NASA or something. Well, she does. Um and they're able to mount and launch a space mission to investigate why the moon is now on a collision course of Earth within three days because <laughs> reasons. Um and that space mission, everybody on the spaceship is murdered by these like clouds of nanobot things who just destroy them. Um, and they recruit Patrick Wilson to fly another space shuttle, but somehow is ready to fly. You've got them just sitting around. Um, and the reason he is hired to uh, fly this space shuttle is that he is the only man who has experience. To spend this belief would be helpful. (laughs) Well, you best better strap your ears in because I'm about to take them for the right of their lives. Um, (laughs) 
um, because he is hired to run this to, to do this space mission because all the other astronauts are dead, but also because he's the only astronaut who has the experience of flying a space shuttle unpowered. And I don't exactly know how that works. I would have thought you needed power in space, but um, it turns out the space nanobots detects electric magnetic fields or something. Um, okay. So they need to turn the space shuttle off. They need to turn the ignition off and just cruise in um, to when they try and you know investigate How the moon. Did they out. use the thrusters? Were they farting to change their direction? I mean, I guess when it comes to space, you just got to point in a direction and then turn them off and you just keep going. I think that's yeah, how space works. You know, if, if, they, if they want to change direction, if you're oh, never... Well, Ooh. you know, you, you, you know, you're just being silly. Oh, um, sorry, sorry. I'm using, I'm using that naughty <laughs> word, logic. logic. Bad word. Uh, but also, in the scene where they're like, oh, no, they're cruising up on the moon. It's really dangerous nanobots that will kill us if they detect any energy. John Bradley's conspiracy theorist has his phone out and he's videoing it. And you're like, they're like, yeah, that's cool. And like, he's got, oh no, it's okay. I've got it on its plane airplane mode. And then oh, like, you are kidding. And they're like, oh no, turn the phone off. And you're like, oh, like, <laughs> seriously, like, who wrote this shit? The answer to that is Roland Emmerich. <laughs> um, it turns out the moon is a Dyson sphere. I'm sorry, I'm spoiling this for you, but like, trust me, I'm doing you a favor. Um, and there's like a big machine in the middle of it run by aliens or something. Because at that point I was like, no, no, I, I, my time is valuable. You know, I could be, I could be hanging out with Katita over here, right? Over here, Katita. You know? mm -hmm. um, I, I could be you know, being ignored by Katita over here, which is mm -hmm. her usual speed. Um, <laughs> as you can see, she's enjoying the show. Mm -hmm. Um but, you know, it was just, I mean, this is just too fucking ridiculous. All the earth disaster scenes were crazy and stupid and it was just nonsense. Utter nonsense. Like, I'm down for a good disaster, space disaster film. I think of a film like The Core. Do you remember The Core? Yeah. Where they've got to restart the core of the earth spinning or something like that? It was big Sure. Kind of fun, you know, stupid, but fun. Independence Day was stupid, but fun. Like, if you think about the scene where Jeff Goldblum uploads a, a virus to an alien computer system, like, <laughs> that's pretty stupid, right? Um, but it, who cares? We were busy, a bit like Bullet Train, right? Like, a bit of it didn't make sense. But if you're busy having a good time, yes. you know, uh, it doesn't bother you. And Gatita lets you get away with it. Um, mm -hmm. So... Uh, uh, that this scene was not doing that. I was bored and I was annoyed and I was just having a really bad. I'm like, this is where you, this is not the mindset you want people to be in when they get into one of the suspensive disbelief sections, like you know, turning the keys off, turning the power off on a space shuttle and just cruising inside the moon. Um, yeah, like it's oh. <laughs> funny enough. I think he actually, John Bradley, was actually an interesting character to have been written here. Like, you know, um, remember they did something similar in Godzilla, the last Godzilla movie where they had like the conspiracy theory guy who yeah, he tagged along. But John Bradley is a conspiracy theorist and he's taken into space because reasons. Um, <laughs> like, usually you have to train to go to space, I would have thought, but do I know? Homer Simpson can go to space anyone can. <laughs> 
this is a not a good film. This is a really, really awful movie. Like, <laughs> for, there's so much money being wasted on this pile of shit. And John Hamm has to take a pay cut to get Confess Fletch made. There's mm -hmm. something wrong with the world where that happens. So, look, if you're tempted by this, you need plenty of alcohol because it's fucking stupid and not entertaining stupid. Okay. I am now going to talk about another stupid movie. And this is one that is actually really trying really hard to be a thinker and a smart movie. Look at that, 2019. A time, a time when Boyd Holbrook was making TV shows and appearing in um, Logan and before his um, rather celebrated performance in The Sandman on Netflix. This is a time when he was trying to break out and make himself known as someone who wasn't so like, hey, isn't that that guy? Oh, no, that's the other guy. Um, this is In the Shadow of the Moon. Is this a Netflix movie? Yes. Can you tell by the name? I rest my case. <laughs> so, in the shadow of the moon, a Philadelphia police officer struggles with a lifelong obsession to track down a mysterious serial killer whose crimes defy explanation. That's okay, right. It's a serial killer movie and Michael C. Hall is in it. Please tell me he's a serial killer. He is not. Oh. He, is, he is the self-professed asshole brother-in-law. Um, yep. <clears throat> Starts off in 1987 or something like that. And we see a young detective, Boyd Holbrook, playing, um, what's his name? Locke. Actually, I don't think that's actually even his fucking name. I think that's just what everyone calls him. I think he's, I think that's just part of his surname. I think his name, surname is Lockhart or something. But anyway, Locke. Um, with uh, Bukim Woodbine, who um, is his partner. Um, on the force, and they get brought in when a string of strange deaths suddenly happen across Philadelphia. And it, the way that it's presented in the movie, it seems like they're happening all at once. And the story later on kind of explains how that happens, but it's like, okay, that's because reasons, isn't it, realistically? Okay. Um... And it coincides with Locke's wife, who is played by someone. Not Cleopatra Coleman, is it? She's got top billing. No, that is, spoilers, the serial killer. Uh. And, um, this story spans from the 1980s through to like 2026 or something like that. Can you guess what the connection is between Locke and the serial killer? Are they related? <laughs> yes, they are. Wow. Granddaughter. And to the point where she is traveling backwards in time while they are going normal forwards in time and they're meeting each other at different points and they're learning different things about each other. And by the end of the movie, I'm going to spoil this for you. He's the one that sent her on this killer mission. Because they've worked out <clears throat> during the lunar cycle, you can send someone back in time because reasons. 
<laughs> but I assume there's a why he wants her to become a serial killer. Oh, yes. It's not that she's a serial killer. That's just what the uninformed 1980s lock assumes. No, she is going back because of the help of, um, what's his name? Uh, Naveen Rao, played by Rudy Darmanlingham, who I've never seen before. He has a theory that you can use the correlation of the moon during lunar cycles to be able to send things back or forwards potentially in time. And his theory is you could send someone back in time. And again, for reasons, rather than just send someone back in time and kill these targets, they have to be injected with a specific isotope, which can only be triggered from the future. Seems a little bit uh, like hard work to me. Yeah, I don't quite know why they have to let the future kill them and they can't just let the person they said back in time kill them and cause that effect. But never mind. Reasons. They have been sent back because all of these people that are being killed in this serial killer suspicious activity, they are actually part of a homegrown terrorist cell unit. Here's what I found. Oh, series! Let you mean let you mean let us know all in the secret. Series listening. Uh, so series always listening. They're part of a a home a homegrown cell terrorist group that are trying to bring about the end of normal democracy. So the Republican Party, in other words. That's a good one. Yep, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do nice. So this is this is a variation on the go back in time and kill Hitler thing. Yes, and it's they they really. Oh my god, they spend so much time just narrating and talking about so like what if you could just go back and find the one person that instigated the idea, that instigated the idea, that instigated the idea of this person. If you killed that initial idea, you'd be able to stop everything and save everyone and only kill one person. Okay, but what? But on paper, that's an interesting idea. Mm, you probably one thing you don't want to do in a time travel movie is talk about time travel. Yes, a hundred percent, because instantly it all falls apart. Like you think of Back to the Future, they have like the one scene in Back to the Future Two with, with the chalkboard mm -hmm. where they do it, and then they do it beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, they don't really do a whole lot of talking about it. They may do it very briefly. Yes. They sort of show it. They show they don't tell. Yes, exactly. And this, they want to, it just bleeds, oozes. It's It kind of grabs you by the screen. It just goes, please take us seriously. We're really trying hard. And you just kind of go, no, you're just spitting on me. Stop it. <laughs> go away. <laughs> and it's not bad performances the action sequences while minimal aren't terrible boyd holbrook is actually rather good and his the character development and the story that spans out over decades actually interesting and it does his story makes sense 
it's just everything else that they hang on this story. It's like, okay, no, just no. You could have cut that bit out. You could have cut that bit out. You could have cut that out. You could have cut that whole end off. And it would have actually been a mildly interesting science fiction based serial killer story where we are as an audience we could just be left wondering wait was that time travel fuck okay that's that's interesting and just make make it part of the conversation about the movie of was it or wasn't it rather than going oh yeah it definitely was <laughs> uh maybe yeah. leave it a little bit up to your audience's imagination yes the writers yes. of this seem to mainly have worked on television before this Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think the film is just maybe designed potentially to be a TV series or something like that, or maybe it would have worked better as a TV series? I still don't think it would have worked well because they would have done that whole thing. They would have maybe for the first two episodes of season one, it would have been all set 1984 and just building around like three days that these killings take place and then we would have had the stinger of um finding this future tech or something like that and it's like okay yep and you're still telling the same story it just would have been longer which in this case is not a good thing not I should thing. I should note the TV shows they've written for aren't particularly good TV shows. Not that oh well they were writing Breaking Bad episodes and Game of Thrones and Better Call Saul. No, mm-hmm. it's Limitless and Zoo, um, and okay. and every occasional NCIS episode. Mm-hmm. And not even NCIS, NCIS Los Angeles. So not even Prime NCIS. <laughs> um, and it's because... an hour and fifty five minutes. That's a. Mm-hmm. I felt it. I felt it. I felt time slipping away from me. And that I, is a shame I, because that, as you describe that plot to me, it sounds interesting. Mm, it's it's a really cool idea, but leave it to the audience. It's like the same problem that Disney have with all of their things of, oh yeah, we're going to make a prequel movie or TV show for literally every character that we fucking have and destroy all mystery and mysticism around those characters by giving you certainties. No, it's never going to be as good as what we create in our own fucking minds. So just let it lie. Not but, when there's money on the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mufasa. Uh, I'm not going to go with that anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> when do we get that they're going to make the movie about what was the bird Zazu movie, probably, if they haven't already, right? I'll put that shit out there, man. It's going to be a mini series. It's going to be like, like five minute animated. Um, short stories like the I Am Groot series or something like that. Like, Day in the Life of Zazu. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, like, maybe the Zazu video game. It'll be <laughs> an open world multiplayer yeah, hero shooter or something. Um, Discover what happened when Zazu returned when Simba and Mufasa, neither of them did, when he came back. Zazu's bad day. Like what happened? What was the story behind those bugs that Timon and Pumbaa were eating when they met? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Uh, we've already had that bug's life. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's always someone stealing all the good ideas, isn't it? <laughs> it's awful. So I would, I, I would give this one a wide berth. But yes. that said, the fact that it was a Netflix movie was more than enough to convince me of that already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, this this has got all the stank. Or a typical Netflix movie. 
which is a shame because there's some really interesting ideas. But then it's always a shame when you see something that's got interesting ideas and they just piss it against the wall because you're like, no one's going to touch that again. Like, mm-hmm. you're very, I mean, like, it's like World War Z. I'm sorry, I'm not going to get on my horse about this one, but like, I love the book and there's so many great ideas in there. And they made a really lousy film of it, but somehow they made a lot of money. <laughs> um, but they made such they right they didn't make enough money that, you know, like, they just pissed all the interesting ideas away. Um, but you know, uh, you go, come on, guys, there's mm-hmm. so much to work with there, but no, they didn't. So, yeah, anyway, anyway, I'm staying clear about one, I'm not saying any more than that. Yeah. Uh, people yes. have heard my opinions on that film. But did you have anything else you wanted to talk about, or is that that's it? We can... I think that's that's about it for this week. Because if you have a bits yeah. and bobs I've talked about, but I don't think anyone would be interested in them. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yes, no, I, I, I've, um, mm-hmm. I, I expected to be watching quite a lot of content while I was on the train. Mm. I literally did have to train from Sydney to Perth. Mm. Um, um, but, um, the, the window is quite a mesmerizing activity, you know. Uh, not every day, <laughs> not every day you, uh, end up catching a, uh, train across the, uh, across the Nullarbor Plain of Australia. Um, especially not a train across the Nullarbor Plain of Australia, where you have unlimited free drinks. I can see the allure of that. Yes. Um, I would have had even more. It's just too many boomers on the train, man. Ugh. They're a scourge, a virus. Burn them off the planet. Yeah, that, but that's that's what we have for this week, I think. Mm, it is. As, as, the, um, as the blurb on the bottom says, buy it. Buy it now. Yes, please, please. That'd be lovely. <laughs> it's a book. It has words. Mm-hmm. I will read them at some point. <laughs> one day, one day, but not this day. <laughs> you know, like I, I actually like. So I was just the, 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 I was staying on this train. I had a cabin. There was mm. barely enough room in this cabin for me to stand up in when I had the bed out. So mm-hmm. I, I literally had no space in my backpack for actual physical books. So. Um, unfortunately, I should have. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? All I hear when he says, "Here's that," is, "Oh, sorry, I can't watch Greece. I broke my foot." You know, just any excuse to get out <laughs> my ankle. I <laughs> and I did watch that movie. Thank you very much. Eventually, <laughs> it took four years in the pandemic, but I got around to it. Uh, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. This has been episode 159 of the Armchair Producers. We had our chain movie of the week, James and the Giant Peach. Travis has picked the new movie, which is going to be the 1996 Magnolia by P. Paul no, Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes, not the not other, always. not the other Anderson. <laughs> no, no. P.T. Anderson did like Soldier and all of that shit and Mortal Kombat. Uh, we talked about, uh, well, I talked about The Rings of Power still continuing its good quality. Um, we talked, uh, Travis talked about Confess Fletch as well as Bullet Train. And I talked about In the Shadow of the Moon. We talked a little bit about the Super Mario Brothers movie. And oh, yes, we both um, dug our <laughs> knives into She Hulk and Moonfall. Next week, we're still not quite ready for the DC League of Superheroes to change. That comes out in Australia on the 20th of this month. Is that Black, Black Adam? Adam? 
Yes. I don't, don't get what this is, but okay. He's black and Adam. Okay. It looks boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's a DC film. Enough said. <laughs> Great trailers, bad movies. They should do, they should do the trailer. Actually, yeah, it doesn't look great. But you know, this is this is the movie that I thought you were gonna talk about DC's League of Pets. That was a real game changer. No, because again, that's Dwayne Johnson and Kevin uh, Hart, and I don't care. I just don't. <laughs> but we will have some interesting things to talk about, no doubt. I will be talking about Andor on Disney Plus, another Disney Plus show. Will it break the tradition? that seems to have built for Disney Plus shows, or will it not? Spoilers. You need to find out. It probably <laughs> won't. Yeah. Spoilers. It's Star Wars. It's on Disney. <laughs> set expectations to low. Yes. And I will set my faces to kill. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. See you next week. Good night. Good night.